losing everybody cause they're back again Don't take no mess out the rose garden Jesus, they're on fire They're what we desire The men in black can handle it Other teams can scrapple it How they win that game today There's just one thing you can say How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy It's the flying dog that's in your lap Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I'm Sean Hyken, the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available. You can get the podcast on the Odyssey app as well as Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever else you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, help grow it that way, rate, review, all of that stuff. I apologize. We've had a little bit of a layoff in new episodes since the lottery. We've kind of had some stuff to get figured out, and obviously things have been pretty hectic. The Blazers have started their pre-draft workouts. They've started bringing guys in for uh, workouts. The only uh, lottery-level guys that they've brought in so far have been Amanda and Asar Thompson, the twins. Uh, I, I think they're going to have Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller in soon, so you know we'll cover all that stuff when it happens. But... Getting into the draft stuff, we're going to have a lot of draft stuff over the next couple of weeks, but to start that off, I've got my buddy Ricky O'Donnell, who you might know from SB Nation. Uh, He's kind of their lead college basketball slash NBA guy, big draft guy, somebody whose opinions about prospects and draft stuff I've respected for a long time. We, you know, were buddies when I was in Chicago on the Bulls beat. He's obviously a big, you know, Bulls fan and blogger and you know, has a podcast called Cash Considerations with our mutual friend Jason Pat that I was on recently. But Ricky's somebody that I wanted to talk to about draft stuff because, uh, you know, I, I like to think that I'm pretty honest with you guys about what I do and don't know a lot about. And one thing that is just not a strong suit of mine is draft stuff because just, I mean, I'm so focused on the NBA that I just, I do not watch college basketball. So I'm the wrong person to ask for, you know, my own opinions about like who a team should draft or who they shouldn't draft or, you know, I like this prospect because I just haven't watched enough of them. And so I think over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be bringing on some people who have watched a lot more of these folks than I have. And so we're starting that today with Ricky. We talked about, you know, you know, we went kind of deep into Scoot Henderson and whether he can play with Damian Lillard or not you know, what that fit might look like. We talked about Brandon Miller. We talked about the Twins. We talked about Cam Whitmore. You know, then, then we got into some guys that Ricky likes potentially at the 23rd pick. It's a good conversation. We, you know, we, we got into kind of a lot of different stuff, and I think this is a good starting point for the next few weeks of, you know, talking through all the different scenarios for what could happen in the draft. Uh, three weeks from tomorrow, we're recording this on the night of uh, May 31st, which is a Wednesday, so the draft is three weeks from tomorrow, Thursday, the 22nd of June. So let's just get right to that conversation with Ricky. But, uh, you know, as always, again, subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. Uh, Let's get to that now. Well, Ricky, you were, you know, you've been one of my go-to draft guys for years, so once the Blazers got the third pick in the lottery a few weeks ago when you and I were actually in Chicago together. Uh, you were you were one of the first people I thought about wanting to get on to talk through the different options that they were going to have. So I'm glad you were able to do this with me. 
Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I always enjoy talking hoops with you. And as a subscriber to the Substack, I think your coverage has just been phenomenal. So anyone who's listening to me on this podcast, you know, subscribe, give a paid subscription to Hiking at the Rose Garden Report. It's uh, it's awesome independent NBA coverage, and we love to see it. I appreciate you saying that. I did not, I did not tell you to say that before you came on, FYI. But uh, so let's so let's start here, I guess. We'll start we'll start at the top. We'll start with the number three pick, which is you know it's basically as soon as they got that pick, I think the assumption around the league has been you know they're going to trade the pick. They're you know they're going to. Uh, you know, do use it to get some more veteran help. You know, Dame kind of telegraphed that at his exit interview. I don't know if that's necessarily a lock at this point, though, that they do that. Like, you, you keep start. You're starting to hear they haven't really fully started. You know, they they brought the only two uh, lottery level prospects that they've actually brought in for workouts so far as of right now. We're recording this on Wednesday, the thirty first in the evening, so. The only ones they've brought in so far, most of the guys they've brought in have been kind of projected late first to second round guys that we'll talk about later. But they brought in the twins, uh, Amen and Osar Thompson, uh, yesterday. They haven't brought in Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller yet. But it's just, it's so fascinating, like, all the different ways that the second, like, take take Wemby off the board, because that's obviously, that's the only thing that's 100% locked in with the, with this draft, but it's going to be so fascinating, like what Portland does and what Charlotte does at two and how that's uh, going to end up playing itself out. And what, you know, what all the different permutations of that could be. How do you, what's your read on that stuff right now? Kind of how you see a lot of that playing out. Yeah. And we were talking at the combine about this and I don't want to say we were arguing, but I think we were somewhat disagreeing uh, because obviously like you have your reporting and your sources and everything you've heard around the organization, going to game, showing up to everything. And I was just like, I just don't think they're going to trade it because I don't think the Blazers are one move away from realistic contention. Now, you know, there there could be other moves paired with it, of course. Uh, But if you're talking about like potentially trading the third pick in the draft for Mikhail Bridges or for Jalen Brown, and, you know, I, I don't doubt that Portland could potentially be very interested in those packages and uh, you know, maybe it's just on the Celtics and it's on the Nets to say no. I think it's I think it's one of those two. Yeah, I think those I think those would be the two that they would would move the pick. For. But when I think about it, it's like okay, even if they did move the pick for one of those guys, yeah, like they would need a starting caliber center. I think now, obviously, I don't watch as much Blazers as you, but uh, when I you know just like watching the playoffs and watching high level hoops, like you basically need a star shot creator, a star big man, and then a bunch of really good three and D style role players. Ideally, some of those guys having some creation potential too, so that Dame doesn't have to do all the work himself. But like, Uh you know, if you were to somehow tell me that like, all right, they're going to get Mikhail Bridges, Dame, and bam, let's say MB goes (laughs) to Miami and somehow the Blazers swing a trade for bam. Then I would say, okay, I don't see that, that happening. That team would but... <laughs> be good enough to compete for a championship. And of course, in this era of the NBA, it's even hard to have like three max level guys. I know Bridges isn't right. necessarily on a max, or he might not even be close to one. But per- no, he's making like twenty a year for the next three years. He's on a crazy cheap deal. Really I good, think that's a really good. I think that's part of why I think he's Plan A over Jalen Brown, yeah. even though Jalen's probably the better player, just because the money is so much more 
favorable. I think I think those are the two guys, though, J- uh, Mikhail and, and Jalen, that would be the two that they would move the pick for at this yeah. point. Other, other than that, I, I'm starting the more, because my reaction the night of and like days afterwards was kind of the same as everybody else's, which was, oh, they're going to move the pick. And again, I don't know if that's necessarily a lock if they can't get one of those two guys now. So let's start, let's start here. Like the rumor right now and anything obviously that comes out this far before the draft, we're three weeks out now, but what I heard, you know, in Chicago, what I'm sure you heard, what it still seems like is what's out there right now. And again, this could be posturing, this could be a smokescreen, but it sure seems like Charlotte really likes Brandon Miller too. That's, seems like that's kind of what the conventional wisdom is and if that were to happen and we'll we'll talk about Brandon Miller later because there's obviously a chance he could be in play at three but if that happens I'm really interested to see what Portland does because if they keep the pick and they draft Scoot obviously like you can't I, I feel like if Scoot's there you can't not take him because he's by far the most talented guy left on the board at that point but you know, then you're putting him, and let's 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 assume they're going to move Simons at some point because I think that kind of has to happen at this point with where the roster is and the direction and all that. But at that point, you're just you know, and I mean, you're, you've watched more Scoot Henderson than I have. But is there any reason why him and Dame together would be more successful and less of a weird fit than? the Dame CJ thing or the Dame Simons thing. Like, like, like sell me on those two being able to play together. Well, I think that, you know, Damian Lillard turns 33 this off season mm-hmm. yeah. and Scoot Henderson's 19. So yeah. they're not going to be on the same timeline. You do not take Scoot Henderson because of his fit with Damian Lillard. You take Scoot mm-hmm. Henderson because he can potentially be the centerpiece of the next great Blazers team without Damian Lillard. And to me, I fully agree with you that you can't pass on Scoot Henderson at two. Obviously, there's positional overlap with Lillard. I think that, you know, if they did keep Dame, that him and Scoot together would be a pretty interesting combo. Dame is such a dynamic shooter that he can play so well without the ball. Obviously, you think of him as being a ball-dominant superstar because, you know, at times he is. But, uh, like, he has, like, real movement shooting ability, knockdown spot-up shooting ability, where he could uh-huh. potentially scale pretty nicely next to Henderson offensively. I'd be more worried about defensively. That's the, what I was going to bring up. The thing is, Scoot, I think, does have good defensive tools. He's kind of short, but I don't know if you saw him walking around the combine hiking. He was there. Big dude. He was in, like, dress shoes. He he was dressed. He's, he's a really stylish individual he was wearing like really fancy clothes with a bunch of buckles on it and i'm like so is maybe maybe, maybe he and Jer- maybe jeremy can mentor him in in that way yeah sure i guess that 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 could be another you know uh, appeal but yeah no he's I, I i know what you're saying he's built like a linebacker he's a he's built like a he's a, a brick s house hiking i mean he is jacked <laughs> as hell he has a huge chest and he has a six okay. nine wingspan even though he's only six foot two so you would think like his tools should be there defensively. I think his technique needs a lot of work still. And also like, you know, he's always been an offensive superstar. Like he's been the guy with the ball in his hands who like his role on the team is to create all the offense while holding the basketball. So like defense has not really been a super strong area of focus for him in the past. 
I would say that, you know, if he were to play on a team with Damian Lillard next year, that like maybe they could coach him up on defense and maybe that would actually be the best possible thing for his future. That when he is leading the Blazers uh, in a post Lillard era, that perhaps, you know, you're talking about a guy who, you know, I think he's going to be an all-star caliber NBA point guard. Uh, you know, I'll say like De'Aaron Fox is a pretty safe comparison for him. Okay. They're not like, okay. they're not exactly the same. And, you know, the best version of De'Aaron Fox, not a better player than the best version of Dame. Uh, but the best version of De'Aaron Fox also took several years to took get several to several years. Also, we where haven't it seen is. the best version of De'Aaron Fox yet. What is Maybe, the, well, the best, the best version of De'Aaron Fox that we've seen so far? Because he was... He was so bad his rookie year that he was nominated for most improved player his second year, which second year guys never get nominated for. Yeah. So, and I think I think I think the idea if you're gonna if you're gonna take him and not trade Dame, which I again I don't think they would do that unless Dame asked for it, which you know as we've covered here extensively that as of right now is not something that I've heard is 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 happening. But if they were doing that, you would hope that it wouldn't be like. You know, we draft this guy, and he's going to be a franchise point guard someday, but he's not going to be ready, you know, to play right away. How 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 ready to play high level minutes for a team? Let's let's forget about contending for a title because yeah. I think you and I agree that Portland isn't really close to that. But for a team that's trying to make the playoffs, how ready do you think Scoot is to play high level minutes and potentially start right? Yeah, away? I think he's ready to play a lot of minutes and ready to be in big time situations. But I'm not super sure he's going to have a winning impact yet just because like a lot of rookies like the vast oh there's usually only like a handful of rookies a year that are actually like, like barely any players, do yeah you know so like he's super talented he's going to be awesome i think i feel like very confident about my evaluation in him is that like this guy's going to be an all-star caliber point guard uh and i think that you know if he was on a team that was more built around his ability that then maybe he could be a bit more effective, but like he'd almost have to be a role player on a Portland team with Dame. He'd still have the ball a lot. He'd still probably average close to 20 points a game, given how good Portland's offense is seemingly every year with Lillard on the team. Uh, but yeah, like I don't know how much he would move the needle towards winning because he's 19 years old. And like, even though he did play two years in the G League, uh, you know, the thing with the G League, like the benefit of doing that over college is that the focus is on development instead of winning. Right. But I almost wonder, like, could that potentially work against guys, too? Because, like, uh, like Scoot, you know, people say he didn't really have that great of a year this year. Well, I would say he didn't have that great of a year because, like, you know, he was collecting some bumps and bruises injury-wise. And then, like, there were no stakes to his season. It's not like he was playing for, like a playoff berth or like anything of magnitude. Whereas, you know, Brandon Miller, he's going out there and every game is super high stakes. Like he has an entire state living and dying on every field goal attempts he takes. Maybe that's a rough uh, frame of reference with Brandon Miller. But, right. We'll get to uh, that. But, but you know, it, Scoot has never really played a game with stakes. So I think like maybe that's why, you haven't, uh, you know, you just didn't see him have a great year because to me, he was playing for his draft status and he viewed his draft status as secure as the number two overall player, probably from the moment he had the preseason game against Wembenyama. Uh, they played two in a row and he was just absolutely electric in those 
especially in that first game. Uh, so, yeah, I would I would say that he's probably not ready to help the Blazers win a lot more games next year, but I do think he's ready to soak up a lot of minutes and to start to grow into his his talent. Okay, so that that that's kind of where you know again you've watched a lot more of him than I have, but that that's kind of where I've landed too. Just you know, just oh you know in my head and just talking to different people, trying to game out all the different scenarios for how this thing could go, and I just keep coming back to you can't pass on Scoot if he's there at three, just from a talent standpoint. You can't really take him and put him next to Dame. You can't really trade Dame unless he says he wants out, which he hasn't done because then you know i I, i've you know i've been consistent on this i don't think you can just proactively trade the best player in franchise history you know if he doesn't want it just you know because you want to go young because you know who's to say scoot henderson is gonna even if he's as good as you say he's gonna be who's to say he's gonna feel the same way about the city of portland and the franchise that dame does and he's not gonna want to leave in seven years or whatever like like i so it's just it's a lot of different so it's just it's just a lot of different factors you have to consider here that I'm that I'm still kind of trying to feel out what the different uh, I mean ha, ha, just I know this like this is more about the Hornets than anything else but obviously what they do impacts what Portland does. How do you think Scoot would fit with Lamelo? Let's say you know this stuff about them really liking Miller and them leaning towards Miller too. Let's say that's not real and that's just them trying to throw people off the scent. Like how, how do you think that Scoot and, and Lamelo would be able to play together? Yeah, I want to actually go back to one more Dame thing real quick, and then I'll answer that question. Sure. But like, yeah, to me, like Dame was very open about what Dame wanted after the season, and I know that you all yeah. those quotes and they went viral. And uh, I think that like people from who aren't around the organization, like me, maybe don't really grasp the magnitude that Damian Lillard has within the franchise as right. likely the best player in franchise history. And it's also just, that's not even just like about how good he is as a player. It's a lot of the... Uh, the low-maintenance you know, super stuff. The low-maintenance, like the off-court stuff, the locker room stuff, like all, you know, there's been so much different stuff in the organization, you know, with the, you know, the, the Neil stuff and, you know, what, whatever else, like other changes in the organization. And Dame is so steady and he treats people so well. And like, he's like, like, like short of Tim Duncan, he's like the best thing you could ever, right? It's like, it's like Tim Duncan and Steph Curry. You put those guys above him because they won titles for however many years, but he's in that level of like, if you really want to trade him and just like on a pure, like, you know, on paper, Hey, you know, he's past, you know, he's, he's in his mid thirties. We should go young. You could do that if you want, but you're not going to find another Dame for that stuff. And that's why, unless he actually asked for it, like to me, you just, you can't, you can't, you can't Blake Griffin him. Totally. And I guess my question is, would he ask for it if they drafted Scoot Henderson? Because he said I don't he's know. not interested in playing with guys who are two, three years away, which to me was a direct line to the front office. Like, hey, if you could trade mm-hmm. Shaden Sharp, trade him. Hey, if you could trade this top five draft pick, trade it. So that's just kind of my thing. I'm like... Right. If the- well, they're not going to trade Shaden Sharp. I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, I mean, unless like like unless unless like Embiid becomes available, that's the yeah. only way that you're. That's the only way that they're putting Shaden in any, any kind of trade offers, from what I understand. So, but becomes, you know what Dame wants versus what the front office wants. Yeah. And, and Dame- publicly, and publicly, what Joe Cronin has said. You know, the same day that Dame did that exit interview. I mean, and I I took that the same way that you did was as you know him sending the message to the front office that he's not really interested in them drafting more young players, and 
that day, Joe Cronin said that, like, the time is now to move quickly and surround Dame with, you know, contention ready. Like, I don't have the exact quotes in front of me, but that was the message that he sent. And, you know, the night that they moved up to three in the lottery, he said, you know, three is super valuable. We can get some great players that could be great for us or for someone else, depending on how we approach the draft. Like, and, you know, just logically, you could say that, you know, it, it makes the most sense for them to trade the pick, but it's kind of a weird spot that they're in because the pick is so valuable because of like how, you know, if Scoot Henderson is there, especially like there's not that many guys that it's worth trading the pick for without them getting crushed. I think the two that we've talked about, Mikhail Bridges and Jalen Brown are the only two where you can really say, and I guess to a lesser extent, Siakam, I think that's kind of a weird fit next to Jeremy Grant, but talent wise, I think those are the three that you're looking at. Yeah. Let's say that Charlotte actually takes, scoop yeah then they you know then you know then they're at uh they're at three they have uh brandon miller there is is miller because I'm, I'm looking at the last mock draft that you posted on sb nation which you posted the night of the lottery on may 16th you actually have amen thompson at three and brandon miller at four is that how you view them right now so you 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 i take it don't view this as a you know a three a three player draft in the same way that other people view it no I don't. And yeah, I'll start off with uh, answering the previous question about the fit between Scoot and Lamello. Okay, uh, which I only wanted to get to because I want to try to figure out how likely it is yeah. that Charlotte is just posturing about taking Miller. So, so I'll just do it quickly. But if I was Charlotte, I would take Scoot because to me, Charlotte is they have the worst talent base of any team in the league. And mm-hmm. Scoot's the most talented player on the board after Wembenyama. So I would just take him because the team doesn't have any talent. And then you sort of figure out the fit later. Uh, but also, like, I'm super high on LaMelo. I think LaMelo is phenomenal. I, if you ask me to choose between LaMelo and Scoot Henderson, I might take LaMelo. Like, I have a – Okay. I mean, he's six foot eight. He's an incredible ball handler. I think he was second in the NBA in three-point attempts per game this year and shot a pretty high percentage. So he can take volume threes. So – yeah, I think that those two guys could work together, but a little bit of a clunky fit. And I believe it's more likely that they take Brandon Miller and that Scoot is on the board. In okay. terms of why I had a men three to the Blazers in my most recent mock draft on SBNation.com, which you can still find if you scroll to the bottom of the front page. That's where I've kept it on the website. Uh, I put a men there because I have a men as the third best player in the class. Like to me, Wemby is in a tier by himself. Right. Then Scoot is in a tier by himself, is the second best prospect. Then after that, I would go Amen Thompson, Cam Whitmore, and then fifth Brandon Miller. Oh, wow. And, you know, that sounds like a big insult to Miller. Okay. But I don't really think it is. Like, you know, when... Is that- this, is this, is this just, is, are you, are we just, and we're, I guess we'll get to this, but are you just talking about miller as a basketball player or are we also talking about the off-court stuff um i would say it's 90 percent basketball 10 percent off-court okay. stuff but it all goes into it right <laughs> okay because like because i'll just you know just say this right now i obviously i'm aware of the in of the of the the thing in january the killing that he was at the scene of and police say he drove the gun to the scene of the crime he was not charged i I've read a little bit about the case. I don't know enough about that to really feel comfortable, like, talking about it, you know, in detail. Obviously, he's going to have to answer those questions from, you know, the 
whatever teams he meets with, whether that be Portland. He hasn't, he hasn't, the Blazers haven't brought him in for a workout yet, but whenever they do, he's going to have to talk to them about it and they're going to have to feel comfortable with that as long as, as well as like Charlotte's going to have to feel comfortable about it. He's going to, you know, they're going to have to answer that stuff at some point and people are going to land wherever they want to land. And I just want to, I just want to put that out there that I'm, I'm aware of this stuff. I obviously, it's something we'll cover a lot more in detail whenever they work him out and especially if they end up drafting him. But when we talk about him the rest of the way, I think we're just going to talk about him as a basketball player. That's kind of my, that's, that's where, that's where I'm at with it right now. I haven't read enough about the case to like be able to talk definitively about it. Yeah. Yeah. As a basketball player, he's the fifth best prospect in the class, which is what I think. Now, if you look, you know, if he goes number two, Heiken, there've been a lot of busts go number two overall. James Wiseman is probably the worst pick of the decade. He went number Marvin two overall. Bagley. Oh, wait, maybe the worst pick of the decade is Marvin Bagley III. <laughs> he also went number two overall. Uh, off the top of my head, another number two overall pick. Darko Milicic, Evan Turner, Derek Williams. There's probably... Hashim Thabit went over Steph Curry and James Harden. Hashim Thabit over Steph Curry and James Harden hiking. That draft had, like, Drew Holiday and DeMar DeRozan in it, too. Uh, so, I like... don't... My point of doing this... Is, I don't think Miller's honestly like I don't think like I don't think Michael Beasley was a bust because he actually had like a pretty decent NBA career, but he went ahead of Russell Westbrook and Kevin Love and like a couple of other like all star all NBA guys. Yeah, sure. Uh, my point of saying that though is that I don't think Miller is going to be on that list. I don't okay. think that Miller is like Marvin Bagley or like Jabari Parker, another one. Well, Jabari was just Jabari was good. Just the injuries were yeah. were, were his thing. But uh, I don't think Miller's going to be a big bust like those guys. Okay, if he goes number two overall because I think that his game actually fits the modern NBA really well. He's super mm-hmm. tall. He's like six nine or six ten. He's a very good three point shooter. I covered the McDonald's All American game in Chicago last year, and it was the first time I looked at this class up close. And I identified Brandon Miller and Jarris Walker as the two best NBA prospects in the gym. At that point, uh, I've okay. a little bit on Jarris, but I think, you know, Miller was someone who totally rose up the board preseason. People were thinking he goes like, you know, 13, and then he ends up maybe going number two after such an electric freshman year. So I think Miller's a really good prospect still, even though I would have him fifth in this class for basketball reasons. Okay. Uh, I would say the holes in Miller's game is that he is not very good at creating separation off the dribble as a driver. And because uh-huh. of that, I think it limits his offensive upside and his offensive role. Like, I don't see him as someone who can be the primary option on a good team. He is a pretty decent passer, actually. He'll throw some really good passes. But to me, he's more of like, you know, an, an upside comparison for him would be, and while it's not like a skill set comparison, really, let's say overall impact, someone like Brandon Ingram, Okay. Would be like a good ceiling comparison for him, where like I think he could be a really good number two potentially as his upside. Uh, I don't really know who he guards in the NBA. I don't know if he's going to get easy buckets at the foul line, which is another thing that like stars sort of have to do. But really, the main thing you do as a star, I would say, is that you blend scoring and playmaking with high level usage and efficiency. And I'm just sort of skeptical he can do that because he's not a dynamic driver. Uh, and to a certain extent, it reminds me a bit of Jabari Smith, who was in last year's draft, 
was supposed to go number one up until an hour before the draft. Jabari <laughs> Smith went number three. And Jabari uh, Smith did not have a very good rookie year, even though he was built up as a guy who's a 6'10 knockdown shooter. Well, his shot slipped in the NBA. How much of that is just because he went to Houston, which is like the worst developmental sure. environment for a prospect in yeah. the league? Shots didn't go in, though. And I just wonder, like, how effective can Miller be if he's not shooting 40% from three? So that's why I would have him fifth. And some of the like the guys I would have ahead of him, obviously we talked about Scoot, Amen Thompson. Uh, I think like he, he's a horrible shooter. He's one of the worst shooters as a top prospect I've seen in uh-huh. over ten years of covering the draft. I mean, he's a very bad shooter, but he's so electric athletically. He's huge. He's six seven with a seven foot wingspan, so he's the size of a small forward, and he plays point guard. He's ferocious potentially on defense. Has some technique issues. <laughs> Plays with his hands now. So it sounds like Shaden Sharp without the shooting. Uh, sort of. Yeah. Sure. He's. I mean, he's a great playmaker. So, you know, he's got, like, that intersection of sure. high-level athleticism, size, and playmaking. And that's, like, really rare in the NBA. Like, how many guys are 6'7", and amazing athletes and amazing playmakers? Like, that just doesn't really... There's not... Like, I don't have an Amen Thompson comp. Like, I told you De'Aaron Fox for Scoot. Uh, I don't really have one for a man because his strengths are so stark and his one weakness of shooting is outside shooting is so stark. He really doesn't even have a mid range game, but so yeah, I just think Tony, Allen, overall... Tony Allen, maybe Oops. just for that same Tony Allen, like a bigger Tony Allen, maybe for that same. Yeah. Range. But he's like a sick passer. He could be like a tennis assist guy. Okay. You know, jaws like kind of a lazy comparison for him. I don't think that that's like a really good one. Uh, I mean, he's so much bigger than Jai. He's 6'7 with a 7-foot wingspan. Right. He's a monster. So, I don't know. I'd have to think more about it. I, I mean, how about Andre Iguodala, maybe? But, like, a better passer? Maybe, like, okay. Iguodala <laughs> might actually be a better cop for his brother. For his okay, brother. yeah. Tell, so, tell, so, tell me then about, yeah. like, what like what are the different... Because the Blazers actually brought both of them in yesterday. Yeah. And I, you know, just in the little brief media session that we did with them i was very impressed with both of them it seems like both of them are very sharp and they both kind of have the right attitude and are about the right things so you know just from like a selfish like beat writer standpoint i certainly wouldn't be against drafting either one of them so tell me like what are the differences between them and how big is the separation of talent gap because right now you have a man at three and you have Asar at seven. Like, how how big is the gap? How you know what are coming the differences in their games? And like, is there one that you think would be a better fit in Portland than the other? How surprised would I be if Asar has a better NBA career than a man? One percent surprised or zero percent surprised? Like, okay, I Asar is awesome. Uh, it's also really hard to tell them apart when you watch their games because <laughs> they wear one and zero. The jerseys don't really like. They're not like the numbers don't stand out. So it's and they look identical, obviously. If you see, uh-huh, yeah, close. and they're the same yeah, size. They're both six, just got seven, them yesterday, yeah. You know, with the seven foot wingspan. So, but there is a difference in skill set, and the difference in skill set is that a man is going to be one of the five best athletes in the NBA next year as a rookie. He is a freaky, freaky, freaky athlete. Point zero five percentile, or point I guess ninety nine five percentile athleticism, whatever it is. Uh, Who's a better athlete, him or Shaden Sharp? Yeah, you know, that's the type of athlete we're talking about. Okay. You know, like, he's a freak. I would actually probably take a man. Um, I think so. Like, Sharp is a better leaper, 
a man has that athleticism that can like just cover ground so quickly. You know what I mean? And a man's also yeah. a sick leaper as well. Uh, so the thing with a man though, is he's a point guard and Asar is more of like, he's kind of like an old school shooting guard who is mostly going to give you like toughness defensively. Asar is the better three point shooter but he's not like a good three point shooter. He, that like it's just immense horrible. So like Asar is going to need to like prove himself as a spot up three point shooter. I actually think Asar is going to shoot in the league. I have no idea if Amen's going to shoot because I also don't think Amen is going to like get spot ups to take. I mean he will sometimes. But like Asar that could be like a role for him on offense is like, you know, a uh, secondary creator with the ball in his hands. He's not quite as dynamic athletically as a man he's still a super athlete but he's not like going to be the most athletic player in the league the way a man is he'd be still like if you're grading his athleticism like a men's an a plus and a sars an a you know like he's an awesome athlete he's huge but he's like a little bit more of an off-ball player so it's possible that because he's a little more developed as a shooter and because maybe he's just like a better positional fit just like a more natural positional fit as an off guard whereas like a man like, yeah, like, his playmaking flashes are amazing, but, like, you got to, like, use some creativity to see the vision with a man, whereas Asar, like, you've just seen more players like him, I think. Like, he just, he's a bit more conventional than a man. Uh, but they're both really good. I wouldn't be surprised if Asar ends up as the better player. There are some people who evaluate draft prospects on the internet who are good at it who will tell you Asar is the better prospect than a man. I would have a man just because of the playmaking and because he's a little bit more athletic. Uh, in Asar, like if Asar was a really good shooter, it would flip my opinion. But like Asar is still like not a good shooter. He's just better than a man. Uh, so I, I think Asar is going to shoot though. And Asar is awesome. And it would be really dope if the Blazers or any other team could get both of them. Because if you've watched their games and you can watch all their games on Amazon Prime, I believe they're still up uh, of Overtime Elite. They play with a synergy that's very reminiscent of watching old highlights of the Ball Brothers in high school, where it's like these guys really grew up playing the game together. They feed off each other. Uh, I was showing my dad some videos the night of the lottery. I was at home with my parents. So I'm just you know, showing my dad some YouTube videos of the Thompson twins. And he's like, oh, they remind me of the Dobermans. Jordan and Pippen are just getting after you <laughs> defensively. Well, that's what my like, nearly 70-year-old father says. Sure, yeah. Goals. But, you know, they are about the same size as Jordan and Pippen. And they are super athletes like young Jordan and Pippen. And when they're really locked in defensively, they will play like trapping full court press defense where they force a ton of turnovers and immediately turn defense into offense. So when you watch their games, the one thing that stands out is how often the game is played in transition in overtime elite. But you know what? If you watch other Overtime Elite games, those games weren't really played in transition as often. The Thompson Twins just had a special gift for ripping the ball away and scoring the other way. But, you know, in the NBA, it's just going to be more of a half-court game. Like, they're not going to be able to bend the game to their will uh, the way they were able to in Overtime Elite. Also, just like the whole Overtime Elite thing, like... So the level of competition was probably worse than college basketball, I would say. Plus, these guys, while they're like sort of raw prospects, they're also the oldest prospects in the draft uh, in terms of the elite prospects. They're 20 years old. So uh, Which Dame said no more 19-year-olds, so tech, on a technicality, maybe this qualifies. Yeah, they're, they're like raw 20-year-olds, though. They're not like seasoned. So 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of interesting threads to pull at with the Thompson twins, but watching them is awesome. Uh, and I totally buy the vision on both of them. And for men Thompson, I would take him over Brandon Miller if I was Portland with the third pick because he could play with Dame, I think. Like, I don't know how much he would help him win next year. I think he's going to take a couple years to contribute to winning for sure. But, like, Lillard, like, he would be awesome defensively next to Lillard. The Blazers always have such small, puny guards next to Lillard. And Amen's just a monster physically, both in terms of his size, length, and athleticism. And, like, you know, he could play on the ball quite a bit and allow Lillard to sort of tap into his movement shooting skills in his off-ball gravity as a shot maker. So, you know, maybe that even prolongs Lillard's career, having him dribble less, get off the ball a little more often. Uh, so I love him on Thompson. Both Thompson twins are sick. Uh, I would take a men third if I was the Blazers, if Scoot is off the board. And we know Mike Schmitz loves uh, the Thompson twins. He had a tweet about this that – one of I've said this before on here, but it's super helpful to me as a beat writer that the Blazers hired – ESPN's draft guy as their uh as an assistant GM because I can just google his name and any player that they sign to like a two-way contract or with a training camp invite and I can find like an old Mike Schmidt scouting report and I found a tweet from Mike Schmidt yesterday of him doing a film session with the twins a year ago I think before he took the job and he said that they're like both super elite prospects with amazing potential or something like that so we know we know Schmitz is in on him yeah, that video, I'm pretty sure I watched that video. I need to find uh, it. Yeah, it's out there somewhere. And what I remember from watching some stuff with the Thompson Twins is that they're just huge basketball nerds as well. So, uh, yeah, I think that, like, they, they would be a good fit, I think, for any team. And, yeah, like, that's just another thing, too, with, like, the trade and the picks. I'm like, I don't know if you if you hire Mike Schmitz like I get what and you told me this off camera when we were at the combine but you're like oh you know you hire Mike Schmitz to make the 23rd pick or to make the 46th pick not to make the third right. pick. any idiot could make the third pick and I think you're right for the most part even though we just went through a long list of buzz drafted number two overall right but, right uh, because you know at the end of the day even like Mike Schmitz is gonna miss picks like he knows sure. his stuff, but, like, that's just what happens. Like, everyone misses some picks. Uh, yeah, it'll it'll just be fascinating to see how it plays out. But, yeah, like, hiring Schmitz was an awesome move by the Blazers. And I think, like, if they were to be more focused on a long-term rebuild, like, that wouldn't surprise me just because they hired him. I don't know. I'm just connecting some dots that may not exist. But that's sort of my two cents. Tell me about Cam Whitmore, because that's the other guy you yeah, had ahead of him. Love Whitmore. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know much about him at all. He's so. sick, dude. So, like, he committed to Nova, and then Jay Wright retired. So he thought he was going to be, like, the next Jay Wright NBA guy. Instead, he got, like, a coach who's, like, my age, Kyle Neptune. He's, like, you know, in his <laughs> mid-30s. And they didn't make the tournament. They had a bad year. His best teammate, Justin Moore, was out for most of the year. But Whitmore is – he's really talented. I think that he's someone who gives you – a ton of rim pressure and some three point shooting. So I think his potential as a scorer is through the roof because those are the two zones where efficient offense is created at the rim and three point shooting. Uh, so just like a picture of him, he's like six, seven, 
very strong build, like 225, 230 pounds. And he's another mega athlete. Like this draft has some really impressive athletes with the men, Thompson, Cam Whitmore, and then Scoot Henderson. Uh, and Whitmore is at his best is like a big wing, getting to the basket, finishing at the basket, explosive two footed leaper, but can also get up really quick off one to score in the paint again in tight spaces. Uh, his handle in his play, like his handle is not super developed, but it's, I think it's really good for a six, seven guy who's that young. Like he'll have some moments of the handle where he like really cooks a guy and then he loses the ball. But, like, he's so close to, like, like his handles are ready to me much better than Jalen Brown's. And I know everyone's poking fun at Jalen Brown's handle. Right. Place, but, uh, like, he's he's a pretty advanced ball handling prospect for a 6'7 guy who's an elite athlete and who's really strong. His frame is so big and tough that he's going to be able to play through contact in the NBA, I think. He's also very good as a cutter. Like, he does not – he probably is not going to be a primary creator in the NBA. He'll probably be an off-ball guy. Uh, because the weakness in his skill set, I would say, is his passing. He just doesn't really seem to see the floor very well as a passer, and that's kind of like where he's going to have to grow. But when he gets to the paint and puts his head down, and you know, is when he's just in "I'm going to score this time" mode, he can score because he can just body guys at the rim. He's a super leaper. I think he's got pretty good touch as a finisher, and then he can hit threes. Like I, he's not as good of a three point shooter as Miller. But I wouldn't be totally shocked if he puts up better three-point shooting numbers than Miller, you know, next year. I wouldn't be shocked because he's pretty confident with, like, the footwork of getting threes off. He's a good spot-up shooter, but he can move a little bit, too, and still hit some threes. So, yeah, I like him for his rim pressure, his super big, strong, explosive frame, his athleticism, and the fact that he can hit threes. Like, to me, that seems like a damn good player. I think he can be a monster scorer in the NBA. And defensively, you know, it's sort of like what position is he going to defend? But he's like a he's a combo forward. You know, he's, he's I was shocked he measured at 6'7". To me, he looked like he was 6'5", watching TV. But I don't know. Hi, can I know you're not watching any Big East games. But, like, the camera angles. That's why I brought you on, brother. <laughs> Maybe you just can't tell how tall these guys are. Uh, I used to say say the same thing about... Benedict Matherin, when he was at Arizona, I'm like, there's no way this guy's 6'6 six, six or 6'7. Six, I'm all about a hype controversy. Uh, Nasir Little, like, this was like a running joke with some of us in the media, like, throughout the whole year, is, you know, Nasir would, like, call, like, calling us over, whether it be at practice or, like, in the locker room, like, like, hey, like, like, there's no way I'm six. Like, I'm listening at six four. There's no way I'm six. Like, like, he, he got very, like, animated. In fact, I think there's a tweet about out there from him about, uh, you know, having us, having me and, like, Casey Holdall and a couple of the other beat writers, like, conduct an investigation into how tall he is. And at one point, like, because I think, I think because this is, like, how much, you know, how inexperienced Shaden Sharp is at all aspects of being an NBA player, or how it was at that point, because this was, like, early in the season. Uh, he doesn't know that you're supposed to lie about your height when you're an NBA player. And so Nas was, like, talking to us about this after an immediate session. He yells out, hey, Shay, how tall are you? And Shaden immediately was like, six, four and a half. Like, he doesn't know that you're supposed to give yourself the extra inch. For... Well, you know, maybe that's a barefoot measurement. I think... Right. Yeah, like, I, I, the barefoot measurement is just weird. Okay. I think. Yeah. Like, well, because you play in shoes. I mean, that, that was the famous Jameer Nelson quote. It's like, you're, you know, you're, you're, he, you're, he's, he's six foot in shoes, but you play in shoes. So, you know, effectively, that's what you are. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, that's like Donovan Mitchell just magically became six foot like one year, right? Like, wasn't he like six right. three before and then he just became Something. six foot? Well, it's like the reverse of like Kevin Durant never yeah. wants to be listed at seven feet or like Kevin Garnett for his entire career wouldn't let them list him as uh, seven feet because he didn't want to play center. Um, before we, uh, you know, b- before we go, so a couple a couple quick things. Which of the guys who are, like, projected to go in the top, let's say, seven or eight, are you the lowest on? Like, who who is the most? I don't want to say, like, oh, you think this guy's going to be a bust because I, you know, everything is situational and you can't predict how these kids are going to go. But who would be the one that you would be most likely to say, you know, avoid this? Well, I'm lower on Miller, but I still think Miller is going to be a good player. Right. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think I'm lower on Jairus Walker because I'm not sure if he's fast enough. Like, I don't know. I think a lot of my draft evaluations were formed talking with the big homie Jonathan Charks over the years. And Charks had just such a simple way of viewing the game where he was just like, yeah, he's slow. (laughs) <laughs> oh he's not big enough you know that's what i love about john he just he just like cuts through all the you know yeah jargon and and he just will will explain something so simply and it's just like yeah that's so accurate yeah and i just think watching jairus walker like he's kind of slow and i just don't know like if he's gonna be able to guard fours or if he's big enough to play the five i don't think he is so maybe him but like i also wouldn't be surprised if he's pretty good because he just plays super hard and he's like 6'8", 240 with a 7'1 wingspan, so he's like big enough. And really, like, his shooting will be a swing skill. But So that would be someone who I'm like a little lower on. Um, Let's see. I mean, I'm not a huge Jordan Hawkins guy because Hawkins, to me, is sort of a one-trick pony, which is shooting and you need shooting. But I don't really know if he has enough outs to be a super impactful player. Uh, if his shooting even drops off a little bit in the NBA. Keontae George is a guy who I think like was a consensus top 10 pick, and now maybe people are a little lower on him, but uh, he's just not a very good athlete. Like He doesn't get anything easy. And when I look at guards, I always want to see, like, okay, what can you get that's really easy? Like, tough shot making will make for a good viral clip, but like if you're playing against college players and you're supposed to be an NBA stud, like let me just see you smoke these guys, like, Get easy buckets. I don't need to see you hitting like a fadeaway over from mid range over two guys, like because that's just like not really an efficient look or the type of look you should be taking in the NBA. So that's kind of a Keontae George specialty. I would say I'm probably a tad lower on him too. And the last thing I'll say here is Anthony Black. Saw him up close uh, at the NCAA tournament. Had a front row seat in Des Moines, Iowa, to watch Arkansas in their first two games. I'm living in Des Moines right now, by the way, so it was just down the street. Yeah. Uh, had a front row seat to watch the first two games for Arkansas. They beat Kansas, who was the number one seed. They beat Illinois in the first round. Anthony Black's legs are like damn tree trunks. He's like a six <laughs> point guard who will get probably some Josh Giddy comparisons. It's just like a big guard who's like not a great shooter. But my thing with Anthony Black is like, how much does he really pressure the rim or like pressure the opposing defense? Uh, Arkansas had horrible spacing though. So that might be the reason why, like, I don't really think he was put in a position to really succeed there, but I'm like, you know, does he have any juice off the dribble to threaten the rim, uh, to draw fouls? So yeah, I didn't really give you a good answer. I guess I like everyone too much, but maybe, I mean, this is, this has been supposed to be a good class. So 
Yeah. And I guess, I mean, they, they, these, these other guys, like, outside of, like, Miller and the Twins and, like, maybe Whitmore, like, most of these guys, are, I would be shocked if they were in play for Portland at three. But, like, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they trade back and use that. To, I, I don't know. I don't think anything is completely off the table. Real quick before I let you go, give me a few guys you like that could be in range at 23. Because that's a little bit more wide open. Yeah. Um, I like Chris Murray. He would be the most boring pick possible. He's the twin it's brother brother, Keegan right? Murray. And he basically had the exact same rise that Keegan did one year later after Keegan became a top five pick to go to the Kings. And just a big forward with some shooting ability, enough athleticism to uh, rebound, to defend a little bit. So I think he would be like a safe, boring, unexciting pick. But like, I don't know. You always need wings who can shoot a little bit with size. And especially if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to keep Dame, you want guys that you can plug and play and will be able to contribute. Like, you know, I think, I mean, Jabari Walker was in and out of the rotation last year, but that's a guy that you put him on the floor and he's going to find ways to be productive. So you need those types of guys, even if it's not like the crazy upside. Yeah, I like Jabari Walker. I think he can be pretty good. Uh, Derek Lively, maybe, on Duke, center. Like I've been saying, I think the Blazers need a center. I don't think Nurk is good enough to be the big man on a good team. I don't think they I think they know that I think I think every I think everyone kind of knows yeah that. So I, they need a center they, I mean they, they tried like hell to move them at the deadline I don't know if they're going to be able to this summer but that's I think I I don't think they view him as like we can't draft a center because we have Nurkic like there have been some good centers drafted around 23 like off the top of my head like Mitchell Robinson I believe he was a second round pick, right? He was a second round pick. Okay. I thought he was late first. Jared, I'm pretty sure he was a second rounder. Jared Allen was drafted at like around 23. Yeah. You can get a good, like five-star recruit, big man, uh, center, you know, at that point in the draft. And that's what Derek Lively is. Like he was considered perhaps the number one recruit in the country. When he went to Duke, he didn't score at all. And he didn't measure at the combine, which is interesting because Derek Lively's wingspan has been one of the most debated things amongst draft Knicks. Uh, it's reported to be 7'7", and no one f- believes it. Sorry for swearing. <laughs> Sorry not to swear. Uh, no one believes it. And then he didn't measure at the combine. But he's really long. He's rangy. I'd like to see exactly how big he is. You know, that stuff matters. But uh, he can be a good drop big man who can, like, dunk and might have a little bit of untapped shooting potential that he showed in high school and didn't really show in college. So I think lively could be good for them. Uh, I really like Kobe Bufkin. Who's kind of like a six, four combo guard who can score off the dribble and space. The floor competes defensively. Not sure if he's a great fit next to Dame, uh, but he could be interesting. Um, I'll also name jet Howard, the son of Juwan Howard. Okay. Really good shooter. Six, eight big, uh, not a good athlete. And, it seems like there's bad intel on him. Some people like hate Jed Howard. I watch Jed Howard and I'm like, this guy kind of rocks. Like he's big. He can cook a little bit off the dribble and he's an awesome shooter, uh, but he's not a good athlete. So I think that that might be the knock on him. Def- defensive questions for sure. Those are a few guys at 23. I think would be good. What do you think of Andre Jackson from UConn? Yeah. Andre Jackson's awesome. Uh, I know you he, think he could be a, is he is that a little high for him to go or do you think he could be you know because like they, they brought him they brought him in for a workout a couple weeks ago and I, I, I just from talking to him I was really impressed with him and he you know from the few scouting reports of his that I read he seemed like he would check some boxes of like somebody that this this front office might like is that somebody you think could be a fit yeah I guess like 23 would seem like a touch high but at that point it's like what's the difference between 23 and 29 like just take him right. if you like him and yeah, 
Like, there's a lot to like about him. Obviously, he was sort of the glue guy on the national champion UConn team that was just crushing everyone in the NCAA tournament. They were winning every game by 30 points. Uh, again, another guy with really defined strengths and weaknesses. I think I told you this in a text, Tykin, but he reminds me of Ben Simmons when Ben Simmons was pretty good, but he's smaller. Uh, so he's an awesome athlete. I don't, I don't know his size. I'm going to guess off the top of my head. He's like six, six two fifteen. Uh, so he's not like, you know, Simmons was what, like six, six, you know, so yeah. he's not like quite as big, but he's a sick athlete. He can really make plays in transition defensively. He's awesome and really versatile. Uh, he's just sort of a Swiss army knife kind of skill set. Can't shoot at all. Him and Amen Thompson are like the two worst shooters. So, uh, but he checks a lot of other boxes. I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete. His, his highlight package is so fun to watch because he can jump out of the gym I think he's got a really high feel for the game and he's just the type of player who like sort of makes winning plays. And then UConn, I saw UConn play Creighton. I drove to Omaha to watch UConn at Creighton. Had no idea I was watching the future national champion UConn during the time. And Creighton, I think made the elite eight. So like both of those teams ended up being real good in the big East, but uh, Creighton won that game because they did not defend Andre Jackson at all. They had Andre Jackson's man in the paint. <laughs> and Jackson like missed a couple threes early in that game and UConn didn't really figure out how to like get him to use the space in front of him as a positive they were just sort of using him as a floor spacer UConn and coach Dan Hurley eventually kind of figured out like other ways to get him involved that wasn't just him like standing at the three-point line to miss a shot and then he just became awesome so uh yeah Andre Jackson's He's cool. I mean, watches YouTube videos and like they won the national championship with him being a huge piece. So I like him at 23. I think he'd be a good pick. There's a few more guys they brought in today. They had, they, they had another Yesterday was the twins. That was, those are the only lottery guys they brought in uh, today. They had a few more kind of projected late first round uh, guys. One of them was Kobe Brown from Missouri. One of them was Jalen Wilson from Kansas. And then one of them was, City, I, uh, I think you pronounce it Cisco. Yeah, he was. He played with Scoot actually on yeah. the Ignited. Do you have? We got to talk to all three of them. They, you know, they seem like you know nice kids. That you can only judge so much from those you know post workout interviews. But do you have thoughts on any of them, or are any of those particularly stand out to you as maybe could be a good fit? I talked to City Cisco. He's really funny. He, he was like. He was like messing with Brooke, uh, the Blazer sideline reporter, like trying to you know take the camera from her and take the microphone. Like he was, he seems like a fun dude. Yeah. So like, I just like went up to the table and asked him a question and he looks at me and he's like, first of all, how are you? And I'm like, like, why (laughs) didn't I ask you that? Like, how you doing, dude? What's going on, man? Uh, Yeah. He seemed like he had a great attitude. He's fun to watch play. You know, the ignite always have a lot of good prospects. He was a top prospect for them. French kid uh who came over like he grew up playing with Wembenyama. he told me he met Wembenyama when he was 10 years old or nine years oh, wow. old and always knew that he was going to be you know a great prospect uh city cisco strong chest he's built you can't really drive through him so he just looks okay. like a wing defender to me comparison for him you know i don't know if he'll be quite this good but maybe tabo cephalosha is a guy who is just like long defense couldn't do a ton on offense. City Cisco can pass a little bit, though. He's like a live dribble guy, but it's like, you know, I'd, I'll take that skill in a really good wing defender. Sure, yeah. Just move the ball on offense. And if you can put it on the deck. So, yeah, I like City Cisco. Kobe Brown is just 
a massive human being. He's yeah. 250 pounds. How many non-centers in the NBA are 250 pounds? I mean, you got to be a massive guy. And he was someone who, for his first three years at Mizzou, he just wasn't a good shooter, but he was a good scorer. But then this year, he became a really good shooter. And it's like, okay, if you're 6'8", 250, and now you can shoot, maybe we could do something with that. So he's like a four-year guy, but... I like him. We, we asked him today uh, who, which players he kind of models his, his, his game after. And he said that, like, when he was younger, he was a little bit delusional and he tried to be like Kobe. And then... Uh, now he considers himself more like Draymond or Jokic, which I just, I love it. I know that's like, obviously like, like a crazy comparison, but I, I love it when like, when like prospects consider those are as like guys they want to emulate. To me, that says like, Hey, this guy like understands like making smart basketball plays and it isn't just like looking to score. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah, I like Kobe Brown. He'd be a good second round pick. Maybe a 23, 23 would seem early for him. 43 is there, is the 43. one second. I'd take Kobe Brown 43. He's huge. You think he goes higher did, than that? Did you, when you saw him, were you like, this guy is gigantic? Because that's what. Yeah. Is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's got like outlier size for a four. Okay. Um, and then who's the other guy you said? Jalen Wilson. I'm not as yeah. high on Jalen Wilson. Uh, I just like, you know, he was good as the number one option of an awesome college team at Kansas. He was, he was awesome. Uh, but like his role is going to look so different in the NBA. Like, oh, Monty Williams to Detroit. Detroit just hired Monty Williams. On a $72 million Wow. Okay. There, look at this live reaction on the podcast. I love it when that happens. $72 I mean, million. I was, I mean, good for Monty getting the bag. I was a little, you know, skeptical that he would want to take another rebuilding job after he just got fired from Phoenix after they were kind of a joke when they hired him. But, uh, and then he built it up into what they have built it into. But I mean, hey, good for him getting the money. Yeah. And what do they pick? They got five? They had the worst record in the NBA and they moved down four spots in the lottery that is absolutely brutal yeah but you know there's five good prospects so they're gonna get someone good and then i'd put taylor hendrick six in this class okay he's you know they could take him he's he'd be real solid i think uh but anyways yeah i like i think city cisco kobe brown andre jackson yeah i'm into all those guys and uh, guess what whatever i think mike schmitz is smarter than me so <laughs> yeah so him. i think I think on that note, uh, Ricky, I'm going to let you go, but uh, tell tell people where they can get all your stuff, SB Nation, Cash Considerations for the Bulls podcast, which I was on recently with you and Jason, but like, just tell people what kind of you got going on. Yeah, you can find all my work at SBNation.com. I'm uh, running our coverage, managing a team of writers, writing stuff myself, going to be doing more draft coverage. I'm sure I'll be doing some finals coverage as well. Um, so you can find all my work at espionation.com and then my Bulls podcast is Cash Considerations. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. And yeah, just thanks for having me on. I'm excited to get into more draft coverage and I'll have more mock drafts at SB Nation uh, now that the calendar's turning into June. So excited to get fully into it. Cool. Talk to you soon, man.